Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, he has. Welcome to the vineyard. If this is your first time with us, my name's Tim, the senior pastor here, and we're so happy that all of you guys decided to celebrate Easter 2019 with us. You're the third service today, or we had one last night, two this morning, and so, so glad you were here. You know, this whole thing of Easter has got kind of a momentum that has built down through the ages. I was looking at some statistics in it. This is just a few years ago. They said that 80% of Americans would in some way participate in Easter. In some way. Now that doesn't mean coming to church. God bless you guys. You came to church on Easter. But it does mean that 80% of Americans. How many? 300 and what? Or 330, 31 million people in America. That 80% of them in some way. If I could say this, kind of made a shout out at least to Easter by buying some new threads or, uh, you know, maybe getting a chocolate bunny. You know, did you like my granddaughter was at the house yesterday. We had a little basket for her and she had a chocolate bunny and she took it out. And I said, now, Bryn, whole tradition, you have to eat the ears first. <laughs> this is a whole tradition. Now, you, you just nibble it on down until that bunny has a flat top, just a crew cut right straight across the top. So she did. She, and then this morning, because I said this in a sermon, I think last week, uh, one of our members in the first service brought me this. Just the ears. Just the chocolate ears. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I may save this to replace the ears on uh, my granddaughter's rabbit when she gets back from Disney World. <laughs> but there has been like, it just seems like it rolls on and on from that first Easter. Uh, also said that, and I think this has probably dropped a little bit over the last couple of years, but that 50% of Americans attend church on Easter. That's a lot of people. And so why? I mean, what is it about this day, about this holiday that has such a momentum to it, that it just kind of rolls through history and it attracts, it just attracts attention in some way. Uh, those first disciples on that resurrection morning, on that first morning, they didn't, you know, they didn't go to the tomb expecting uh, what they got. And so, of course, today we're going to take a look at that and, and we're going to be over in John, the 20th chapter. If you have your Bible or if you've got your app, version app, Blue Letter Bible app, whichever app you have, if you want to bring it up. Also on the back side of your handout this morning is a fill-in, short fill-in, with a portion of the scripture I'm going to read. I, I'm going to read this story from verse 1 down to 18 uh, because uh, this is the story and there is some like really special moments in here. That, uh, and then I'll pray after we... We walk through this. Early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday for them, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Now, does anybody remember who she was? Mary Magdalene is the lady who had a lot of problems at one time. I mean, the Bible described it as her having seven demons. And whether seven means a lot 
One's too many, right? I mean, whether it was seven or a whole lot, this lady was oppressed somehow in her life to the point that it was really, life was a miserable existence for her. And then she met Jesus. And yeah, whoop. And Jesus delivered her. And from that moment on, from that moment on, Mary was there with Jesus. Every step of the way. The scripture says that she and a few of the other ladies, uh, out of whatever they had, they supported Jesus' ministry and helped support him. And she was there with him all the way up to the cross. When she was there, when a lot of people, all everybody had abandoned, Mary and the women were there. And now, at the resurrection, who was there? Mary. The woman that Jesus had touched and who had stuck by his side through every part of it. Until that first Easter morning. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter. And the other disciple. Look. The one Jesus loved. Who wrote this? (laughs) Do you see any humor in this? John's writing this and goes. To Peter and also the one Jesus loved. But I'm going to be humble and not say me. (laughs) I'm just going to say the one Jesus loved. (laughs) I love it. It's great. They must have had quite the relationship, you know. Um, The one Jesus loved, Peter and John, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, John, (laughs) started for the tomb. There's a lot of running going on here. Both were running. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter. <laughs> I love it. Like John's leaving it to us to go, hey, man, he was a fast runner. All right. The other disciple, uh, you know, both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter, probably because John was younger than Peter and had a little edge on him there, and reached the tomb first. So John, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen that they would wrap the body with, lying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him. Every time I read this, I see Kramer in Seinfeld. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You like Seinfeld? You know, here comes Kramer sliding into the tomb. You know, he's like, you know, like this and up up behind John while John's kind of leaning in, taking a look and came along behind him. But what does he do? Peter does like he always does. He throws himself into something, right? He goes right in, into the empty tomb. And John stands back just a little bit. And then once Peter goes in, John goes in. And uh, he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. And that is John, John realized that Jesus was indeed, he had risen from the dead. Now, John didn't get everything yet, as it says. He didn't get why Jesus had to die. He didn't get uh, why he was resurrected. He didn't get any of that. But he did get this. He did get the fact that Jesus' body, he knew it was crucified, beat and battered, that he had died, and now he was up and around. He was alive. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples, listen to this, went back to where they came from. John and Peter go back. But who stays? Mary. 
Mary stays true to who she is, true to her commitment to the Jesus that loved her and touched her life. She stays. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. First words out of the angels' mouths. Woman, why are you crying? (laughs) Like, this isn't a sad moment. This is an awesome moment. Mary goes, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She hears this sound, and she's in the tomb. She's looking, but she turns and looks and hears this, and she sees someone. He asked her, that is Jesus, woman, why are you crying? Angels ask her that. Jesus asked her that. And then he asked this question. Who is it you are looking for? And that is the question today. Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Because there would have been probably gardens around the tomb. The gardener would not have taken care of the tomb itself. But the gardener would have taken care of the foliage and the planting. And made sure everything was nice and pretty around that area. So she's thinking it's early, you know, on this Sunday morning. He's, he's out doing his work early. And maybe he's the gardener. And so she replies, Jesus is not immediately recognizable because he's in his new resurrected body. It is a very real body. And, uh, but it's a little different. It looks different to her. And she doesn't, last time she saw him, he was beaten, battered on the cross, probably beyond recognition. And, and now, and she's crying and it's maybe obscuring the way she's looking at this person who's talking to her, thinking it was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Cause she wanted to make sure that his body had the proper treatment because it was, the whole burial thing was done in haste. They didn't get the spices on the body the way that they normally do in preparation. And, and so she's wanting to make sure his body is taken care of. She says, just tell me, if you, if you took him, tell me where he is and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, here comes one word, Mary. And when she hears her own name out of his mouth, It says that she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic. Rabboni, which means teacher. It's a little bit more of an intimate title. It's not just like a proper title, what Mary called Jesus. It's much more that I'm like a disciple and he has meant a lot to me as my mentor, my teacher, Rabboni. And Jesus said, then she grabs hold of him and she grabs hold of his legs and Jesus says, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, those guys that just left, right? (laughs) Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Lord, bless the reading of your word this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bring it to life. And this Easter 2019, you would indeed, Lord, reveal yourself in a deeper way. And Lord, pull back the stone and pull back 
uh, the, maybe the haziness of our tears of life and all, and that we would be able to see who you really are this morning. Help me in my weakness, Lord. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in your handout, there are three, three uh, fill-ins there. And this is in response to what I think Jesus asked Mary. He said, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? In Matthew 21, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it was a very, it was a big deal, right? Do you remember? It says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I mean, this Jesus had an amazing fan base at this moment. And my question is, are you looking for, your first question is, are you looking for a pop star? Because that's exactly what these folks had at that time. Thousands and thousands of people showing up. He was on their playlist, number one. I mean, if you looked at his followers, he had millions of them, if it was compared to today, Right? Many of them over and over again. I, I find it amazing in all of our lives and in mine too that through our Christian lives we kind of, if you want to call it, adopt Jesus into our special areas of interest. Have you noticed? Like, has anybody ever had this t-shirt? <laughs> oh, that's a cool t-shirt. I mean, I have to admit, I probably had one at one time. I, you know, I like, I like, and I love t-shirts. I'm kind of like a collector of t-shirts and uh and especially, I like unique ones. And, and, you know, we'll take him like, yeah, Jesus, I like Jesus. He's my homeboy. You know, he sticks close to me. Or maybe this Jesus. Maybe this is, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. You know, he's always like, Tim, you can do it. Come on, man. Buddy Jesus, you know, right there. You're okay. Like, all right. Or maybe, you know, during my era, it was a hippie Jesus, you know, because we looked like Jesus, a lot of us <laughs> during that day. And so it was like, yeah, man, Jesus looked just like we did, you know. And, and so we would hijack and, or surfer Jesus. You know, like Jesus, that's some pretty cool ink right there. I got to tell you, I've been thinking about it. And so uh, <laughs> I'm a longboard, 10, hanging 10. It's, it's, uh, and he's barreled too. I mean, it's like... You know, he can do it all. The only thing is, Jesus doesn't need a surfboard to do that. And uh, so they're selling him short a little bit there. But I used to have a t-shirt by a guy named Rick Griffin, this great artist out of California. And he had this eyeball getting tubed on a surfboard. And over the top of the wave was Jesus with his hands out. And it was like my favorite t-shirt. You know, it's, you couldn't find Christian surfer t-shirts in the 70s. And we grab Jesus for whatever is popular in our lives and we take him and we make him our hero around that one issue. Is that what we're looking for? Is that it? I mean, my friend Jeff here gave me this uh, a few years ago. I don't know if you can see this. This is Jesus getting barreled backside, which means his back's to the wave. That's how talented he is. And he's doing what's called a pig dog, pig dog. And, but, you know, a good Jewish boy would not be doing a pig. And so, uh, 
Well, that's what that maneuver's called. But, uh, I mean, you know, I, I love it. I got some fun friends. And this sits, this sits in my office and, uh, all the time. But is that it? Is that what we're looking for? Is we're looking for someone, someone that we can just relate to in our area of interest or our area of love? Or... Because the crowds, that crowd in Matthew 21 suddenly changed in Matthew 27, didn't they? That same crowd that said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, all of a sudden said in Matthew 27, 23, crucify him. <laughs> that's, what pop, that's what happens to pop stars, right? They're everything. I love their music. All of a sudden, yeah, I hate them. Unfriend. Don't follow them. You know, suddenly they fall out of vogue and they're not, they're just not our number one priority anymore. And we just don't care for them anymore. Is that what we're looking for? We're looking for Jesus, the pop star. Because pop stars, pop stars don't last. They eventually become, in some ways, irrelevant. And after a while, they're replaced with the next big thing and the next big thing. But here on Easter 2019, 2,000 years later, here we are with this momentum rolling through the face of the earth still. Who are you looking for? Or maybe it's Mary, you know, she turns and she hears that sound and she turns and she thinks she sees the gardener. Are you looking for a gardener? That's your next fill-in? A gardener? Thinking he was the gardener. Now, we all... We all kind of look for Jesus the gardener, don't we? It's like, Jesus, can you just come pull some weeds out of my life? Can you come and clean up my life a little bit? Can you, can you come like, like, like your yard, your lawn folks that come and take care of your lawn? You know, like when it gets a little bit uh, like mine right now, a little bit ratty and it's needing some care. It's like, uh, I need to call, you know, I need to call my gardener. Maybe a little early to get them to come in and clean up things. Or my guilt has got the best of me and I can't deal with this guilt anymore. So, Jesus, would you come and just pull the weeds of guilt out of my life? You know, I don't need you here all the time, Jesus. You know, I don't need you. I don't need my gardener in my yard every single day. And I don't need you here 24 hours a day. I don't need that, but... Would you kind of be my subcontractor? And like when I do need you, would you, could I call you and get you to come by the house and do a little tidying up for me? Jesus the gardener? Is that who we're looking for? And look, don't get me wrong. Jesus is a good gardener when he comes in as Lord. He does come in and he helps us in so many ways. But you know what I've heard? People that look for Jesus as a gardener, what I eventually hear from folks like that is, it didn't work for me. Like I tried to follow Jesus, Tim. I tried to be a Christian, but it didn't work for me. Like the gardener didn't show up. I called him. He didn't come and he didn't pull the weeds out. He didn't show up when I wanted him to. He didn't do exactly what I wanted him to do. So, you know, I had to kind of let the gardener go. I had to let him go. Is that what we're looking for on Easter 2019? Is that who we're looking for? Jesus the gardener? But Mary got it. She did get it. And she got it when she heard her name. When it became personal. You know that whole journey had been personal for Mary anyway. But that's the way it is with Jesus. It has to be personal. It has to be personal. 
When Mary heard her name, her eyes opened up and she saw exactly who he was. And she said, my Lord. She called him my Lord. You know, Peter. Kramer or Cosmo. Yeah, Kramer. Um, you know, Peter had such a change in his life, didn't he? Because just like 40 days later. 40, 50 days later. Peter pre preaches his first sermon. And listen to what the change this is his first sermon in Acts 2. Just a, just a little portion of it. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man credited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, thank God for those two words, right? But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then you jump down in this sermon, this beautiful sermon to verse 32. And he says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And has poured out. That is the Holy Spirit. What you now see and hear from us. In Romans 10.9. Paul is writing this book. And he's trying to get people to see who Jesus was. Like they're asking who, who is he? And Paul says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is who? Lord, Master, Messiah, Savior, Lord. And believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no gospel for one group of people. Another gospel for this type of people. Another gospel for this color of people. And another gospel for this person. Or this segment. Or this race. Or whoever. There is one gospel. One for all of us. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us. That puts us in right standing with Christ and with God. One gospel, one for all of us. For there's no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you know what happens first? Jesus calls your name. Before you ever call on his name. Just like Mary just like Mary, Jesus comes along and he calls you personally. Every single one of us. It is a very personal, relational thing that Jesus does when he calls us. I uh, was connected with a family member I didn't know I had. You know how these DNA things are going now. And uh, my experience has been wonderful so far. But I connected with someone I didn't know I was kin to. And in the midst of us talking, they, it slipped out of their mouth. They said, I was born illegitimately 
And I felt like the Holy Spirit was going to rip my arms off if I didn't say something. It was like, you know, because the first thing that happened was Psalm 139 began to just float right through my heart. Because I'm going to tell you, it's very personal to God. His relationship, what he did for you, is very personal. I think that's why we have this story of, the, of him saying, Mary. It's a personal call to each one of us. So I wrote him a little Bible study back and I wrote this to him and maybe maybe you'll find a maybe you have a spot in your life where you need to be reminded of this but in Psalm 139 listen to this for you that's God created my inmost being who did God did doesn't matter who you think did God did. For you created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not illegitimate. I am not a mistake. Mary, Tim, I know you by name. I've known you since before you were created. I knit you in your mother's womb. Despite the circumstances... You are the will of God. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. We think like, man, I was born and God went, what the heck? <laughs> you know, you know what, where did he come from? You know, that's, did somebody find my plan? Where is it? You know, that's, he did, he's not... He didn't show up at the right time. He didn't show up in the right parents. He didn't show up in the right situation. This wasn't planned, but Psalms 139 says God knit every single one of us. Mary, Tim, Bob, Tracy. He knit each one of us. It's very personal to him. The God of all creation. I can preach this, but I won't. Um, we had a real... Big problem. Humanity had a huge problem. And man has tried to get back to God in so many different ways. We read through the Old Testament. When I read through the Old Testament, I see just how far we've been from God. And how much detail it would take for us to get back to God on our own. It's depressing. It's not encouraging because we see failure upon failure upon failure. But you know what? God knew all of that from the beginning. And so in his own time, at the perfect time, at just the right moment, he sends his only son to this earth. 100% God, 100% man. 100%. Fully living this human life with dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Having to deal with hunger and thirst with people who betrayed him. Having to deal with temptation. Having to deal with everything that all of us have to deal with. He dealt with it. But he dealt with it successfully. And he dealt with it in a perfect way. So that we could have an advocate in him. And then at just the right time he went to the cross. And he suffered and he died. And he made amends for all that we've ever done. Now that's good news. But what's great news is he didn't stay in the grave. If you want to see if he knows what he's talking about and if he's who he says he is, it's the third day. 
It's the day that we celebrate. Because when he rose from the grave, that said, I am. In that moment. He's not a pop star. Lord knows he does come and he works in our lives from the beginning of our moment that we come to know him until the day we go to be with him. He continues to work in our lives. But you know what? He is Lord, Savior, Master of all. Who are you looking for this morning? Pastor Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City posted this last week. I thought it was so true. He said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? My question is, what if he did? What if he did? Because if he did, that changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. And thank you for Easter 2019. I pray that right now in this moment, God, that you would touch hearts and that there would be this miraculous change of that moment when we go, I believe. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe it in my heart. And I want to give you an opportunity, dear folks, if this is your day, what a great day to mark it. Like this was Easter 2019 is when I said in my heart and I said with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And it says you will be saved. So as we're praying here, would you raise your hand and say that's me this morning, Tim. That's, that's where I am. That today I'm making a declaration. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray now that my sisters and brothers that raise their hand at this very moment, God, you would make yourself known in a very special way. That you would affirm to them your great love, your forgiveness indeed, Lord, but also your great and wonderful, Lord, invitation to come and follow him. To be a part of all that he's ever wanted for them. This moment. Jesus. We believe you were raised from the dead. We believe that you are much more. Than just an icon. You are much more than some jewelry. You're much more Lord than a cool bit of ink and you're much more Lord than my surfing buddy and you're much more Lord you are the Lord of all Messiah King Jesus who rules through the ages and will rule and one day will take all of us who follow and will bring us back to this earth and establish your kingdom here in fullness Lord the way it should be and until that time Lord we celebrate your death and your resurrection and we love you Lord we love you Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, 
please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.